It's Parts Unknown. I'm me, Matt Davis, and we're continuing our crawl through the WrestleManias of the past. Here we are at Levi's Stadium in sunny California for WrestleMania 31. We've got Arnie, the NWO, and Rusev in a tank. But first, let's introduce the panel. Carrie Dunn. Hello. Carl Anker. Welcome, True Believers. And Anton Tolui. Hello there. So we're going to start today with a headline match, one of the most memorable finishes to a WrestleMania in recent memory. Uh, Seth Rollins defeated Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar in just over 15 minutes. Brock had only just agreed his new contract shortly before this match. This was Reigns' first title shot. He had put it on the line against Daniel Bryan at the previous fast lane. But, Carl, that was not what we were talking about at the end of the night. It was the cash-in. How did you view it? Surely you popped. It was an amazing moment, no? It's one of Michael Cole's greatest ever calls on commentary. Rollins with the heist of the century. <laughs> nice. Uh, and the final image of Rollins helicoptering the thing above his head and then holding it aloft. Oh, man. Like, what? What a moment. And also, what a match. Yeah. Like, this is something a lot of people, I think, forget. Reigns Lesson 1 was great. Legit great and properly handled what you're supposed to do in a big main event like that. And I think... One of the great things about Brock Lesnar matches is at any point in time, he can just skip to act three of a wrestling match because he'll just give you three suplexes in a row. And Oh, okay, end game, which is great. Um, and I think we need to see more of that in main events at WrestleMania now. Just You don't have to do 25 minutes. You can just do 15. And yeah, you can just do 15 one massive event and just go home because... I'm like shaking thinking about how good that final match was. And we've spoken about, as we've been through the, mo- the more recent WrestleManias, about Roman Reigns and maybe his lack of character development. I really thought we got a little bit of that in this match. I loved him sort of smirking at the ridiculousness of the beating that he was taking and what could he do about it. It's sometimes difficult to sympathise with Roman Reigns, but he did it pretty well in this match, I thought. I thought he was fantastic in this match. And yeah, uh, having an antagonist like Lesnar to work against seems to work really, really well for him. But I just want to kind of get in the Shield thing there as well, obviously with the Rollins cash-in. Now, I know that producer Ben never hears when wrestlers are talking to each other in the ring. When Seth pins Roman, you can hear him say, thank you so much. And it makes me cry every time. And a little bit of shield nostalgia there for me. And I, yeah, I just love that moment. I think it's fantastic. It's a real old school thing of wrestlers thanking each other for title matches. So uh, apparently uh, the Elimination Chamber where Bray Wyatt pinned John Cena to eliminate him. John Cena goes, you're a real champion now. Um, and at WrestleMania 19, after Rock and Austin defeated each other, they both went, I love you, bro, so much. Um, it's also like the, one of my favourite WWE moments of the last couple of years was Champa Gargano. Mm. And just before you hear him go, I love you. And then, boom, through you go. And it's, yeah, you're right. Because you've got to believe it means so much to them and they work all together and they actually do like each other. And it's a memorable moment. You know, it's, it's a lovely thing. It, it's nice when wrestlers hug each other. And I don't know why we don't get to see that enough. Well, I do know why. But let them hug, God damn it! <laughs> because Vince. <laughs> but, yeah. so, but saying that, that was after a brutal match. You're right. And right. I'm glad I watched this before WrestleMania 34 because it got me excited about the main event of WrestleMania 34 because I forgot how good this match was before Rollins came along and just blew it out of the water. It started off, Lesnar gets cut really early and that sets the tone for mm. the entire match because... You know, he smells blood, literally, in terms of... And he loses it with the suplexes and the early F5 and he doesn't pin him because he's angry and he wants to make a statement. And it's brilliant. And then the way it swings around as well. So when there's a short comeback by Reigns and the crowd are into this and they are booing Reigns at 
every moment because the the VT beforehand reminded you how much uh, Reigns had been built up for the last 12 months. You know, the eliminations record at the Royal Rumble, uh, and then the, then he won the Rumble, and then the sole survivor at... Uh, and, and, and all this kind of thing and he felt like it was almost being rammed down your throat and that worked well because it got the crowd on on everyone's back but everyone was was invested in this at every single point there was not a moment in this match where there wasn't the crowd reacting to something or the or the wrestlers taking taking over it was a it was a absolutely brilliant brilliant thing to watch it was believable when even though reigns had taken an absolute beating it was believable when Brock gets cut open against the ring post, that it's the, the momentum shift because there was so much blood yeah. going onto the apron. Of course, you know any 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 mere mortal would be out cold, and Reigns got back into the match there. And so every every moment in this match was believable and brutal, and it was absolutely brilliant. And like you said, and then Rollins comes along. The yeah. coolest thing in WWE comes along at the right time on the grandest stage of all. And if I Wearing not much, wearing other than just a pair of, pair of trousers, had a title over my head. I would look like it's just an awful sort of you know stripper in a working men's club in Chesterfield. <laughs> I would not look as cool as Rollins, and it was the perfect man, the perfect moment, and it was almost the perfect match. Great match, but we would be remiss if we didn't mention the build up to it and the role that Paul Heyman played in that. Who is obviously one of wrestling's all time great orators, but a, an angle that sort of fell into their lap in the build up to this was the snowbound roar, where they basically just did it from Stamford, Connecticut, and it was a sit down with um, with Heyman and Brock and Roman Reigns and it remains for my money Carrie one of the best things that Roman Reigns has ever done it was absolutely incredible I remember watching that I'm just being absolutely spellbound in a way that I am not often by WWE kind of sit down VT packages and Roman Reigns being allowed to actually do some thinking was actually pretty impressive he's pretty good when he's allowed to kind of do his own thing rather than kind of stick to the kind of sound bites they keep giving him the kind of little catchphrases they keep wanting to push now, obviously Heyman is a huge part of that because he's doing kind of the, the heavy lifting in terms of the way he's putting across the atmosphere and trying to build the dialogue but yeah Roman Reigns is good at wrestling at professional wrestling in general and I think people overlook that too much with their hatred of him yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. I think he's fantastic. So that was the the main event, and it had the the most memorable finish, Four one of the fives. most memorable finishes in in recent Mania history. Four F fives, which is something they need to mention on Raw soon, is the fact that Undertaker went down with three. Roman kicked out after four. Yeah, German Strowman only got one, and they yeah. were done. Like, they? That's, so, yeah, that, that's one of my. That could be one of the great long term. Like WWE stories is the fact that Roman Reigns ate four F5s and we didn't kick out and we still don't know. It's interesting what we remember in retrospect, isn't it? Because I hadn't thought of that, but also I've just praised the build-up and now it's just come to my mind that awful shot on the Raw before WrestleMania of them basically playing tug rope with the title belt. It's, and... also, it's also the last shot in the VT, isn't it? Yeah. And you're just thinking, why have you why focus <laughs> on that? I mean, I don't need a visual representation that the belt's on the line. I get it. That's the whole point of this. I don't need to see a tug of war a squabble between you know would look like it should be in a playground but you're right about the the build-up it could have been just another championship match and it wasn't because of haven and it wasn't because of the snowbound and it was it all built into this sort of this perfect storm that was the main event of a very good wrestlemania i love wrestling just thinking about this and paul Heyman has given me goosebumps and that's just what wrestling does a bit like the build to wrestlemania 17 so the promo video for that 
is amazing. He's got Limp Bizkit. Everyone remembers Paul Heyman at the end is going, big ups, big ups, my boy, Limp Bizkit, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, weirdly, the build to WrestleMania 17 between Rock and Austin doesn't quite coalesce until JR has to sit down with Rock and Austin. And then they get rid of the whole Kurt angle and the Deborah angle and whatever, whatever. Um, and I think do more of that. Just do more of, oh God, we got a big match itself. Have them sit down in a room next to each other. Do it UFC style. Do it boxing style. Because that is when so, like a lot of your main event characters, a lot of like your Brock Lesnar's, your Roman Reigns, um, to a lesser degree, Braun Strowman, are most effective when they are right on the edge of realism or like real fighting. Just... I'm going to go in there and beat you up and I don't really care if it's a pro title or whoever. I just want to beat you up because I need to beat you up. Um, just do more of that. Yeah, and interestingly, that's something they are bringing into NXT a bit more often. So maybe we'll see that as the years go go on. So from the main event, we'll go right back to the start, the opening match of the main show. Daniel Bryan defeated Bad News Barrett, who was the champion, Dean Ambrose, Dolph Ziggler, Stardust, Luke Harper and R-Truth to win the Intercontinental Championship in a ladder match in um, 13 minutes, 47 seconds to be precise. Daniel Bryan is back briefly. He got the win on this occasion, as he had done the year before, after a mammoth headbutt rally with Dolph Ziggler to finish things off. But we know what would happen next. It was a great match. It was a nice moment, but it still felt a little bit bittersweet after what had come the year before. No, I really, really like this one. But the fact that he was in the Intercontinental title match and they hadn't felt that they could push him for the world title because of his injury problems. I completely agree. Looking back, you just think, it's so sad. The year before how it, WrestleMania finished and the first person we see is, he shouldn't be the first person we saw at WrestleMania he should have been the last belt on the momentum that we saw you know in New Orleans at 30 and it's no one's fault you can't blame the booking you can't blame, it's just you know someone's got a, a, an appalling injury that they needed they needed to be managed and actually you've actually got to give WWE sort of a little bit of props because they were trying to manage an injury which they don't you know they often get criticised for not doing particularly well so I, yeah, I, I'm with you on that in terms of first first person I saw Daniel Bryan and I literally in my notes I just put oh like, because he shouldn't have been the opening act he oh. should have been the main event based on the year before this could have been a very very mournful section of this podcast if we hadn't got the news that we'd gotten a couple of weeks ago at the time of recording and and you can kind of look back on it now and say oh well hopefully it's all going to have worked out for the best i actually think the way that kind of watching these wrestlemanias back because we're watching them kind of in reverse order i didn't feel sad watching this because i kind of was thinking i'm going to watch 30 next and that's really good i know what's going to happen there so yeah I don't know. I just, I like to see Daniel Bryan wrestling and and it was a great match. So I was happy to see it. And yeah, okay. I get what you mean. It is, it is sad bearing in mind the way 30 finished and you can think a year apart, he should still be main eventing. But no, Daniel Bryan in a wrestling ring, it's always good. And it was a great match. I love a ladder match. Like, you know, in terms of the... It's gone out of fashion in the last couple of years, haven't they? they? NXT loves a a ladder match. Um, But in terms of... They're just so energetic. And this one especially starts off spectacularly. Mm. Everybody apart from Barrett is diving around the ring. And and it's, it's just absolutely brilliant. And again, you know... Cody's taking his superplex from the top of the ladder is a is a thing of absolute beauty. Harper is brilliant in this. Harper, you're watching this and you're thinking, how is he not? You know, how has he not been pushed more? How is he still? You know, just still attacked, just seen as a, as a safe tag team wrestler because he owns this match in in times that year. Harper low key is one of the best heels, so he has that weird feud with Dean that could have been like amazing because they they have that weird match where they basically fight on site 
for the rest of the pay per view. The moment they see each other, which I really, really like. I also really like when KO and Sami Zayn have that. Like, oh no, I've seen you now. I have to punch you in the face repeatedly. Mm-hmm. I know you mentioned r Truth. Apparently, r Truth's plot in the IC ladder match was a gift to him from Vince because r Truth gave up smoking. <laughs> which uh, Vince hates smoking, doesn't he? That's he does. that's he hates, common he knowledge. Hates smoking. He hates uh, sneezing. Yes, sign of weakness. Well. He yes. thinks sneezing yes. is. Yeah. Um, so apparently, uh, he said, if you could give up smoking for a bit, you can. You I just want to see get Vince at a pepper factory and see what happens. <laughs> the self-loathing will take um, over. Which is great. I, I, Wade Barrett in this match. You, you mentioned that Wade Barrett doesn't have a big start at the beginning. Oh, yeah, Near the end, end, he yeah. just bullhammers bullhammer everyone it in is, a real. It's a thing of beauty. I love it when he's coming to the ring and he's like, who bloody wants some? You're like, yes, yeah. go on, Wade. Go I, and do exactly that. You I, are one-dimensional, but that is exactly what I want from Barrett. And, it's, and uh, you know, Harper and Barrett brought the physicality it, uh, you know, while everyone else is running around. That's why I think the, the, this as a ladder match was, was kind of balanced perfectly because you had the nice mix of Harper, the brutal chair shot to Daniel Bryan at one point, and he throws, obviously, he Ambrose. Dean Ambrose. He, yeah, he murders Dean Ambrose, which... Whilst biggest... Dean Ambrose's fiance is watching on hosting the kickoff panel, exactly. was, that must be a pretty weird experience um, for her. And then you've got, yeah, and then you've got uh, Barrett going bullhammer crazy at the end. It was a, it was a really well, it was a really well orchestrated match. I thought something I always bring up with gimmick matches. Um, so I say your Hell in the Cell match should always be like Macbeth versus Macduff. So your champion is should always be should always be heel champion that goes into Hell in the Cell and is going to use every single low down thing in the book to avoid being murdered by Macduff. Um, and then similarly in like multi-man ladder matches you should have your heel champion just eventually bug out and do all sorts of dastly things to try and murder everyone to hold on to their great kingdom and in that weird bit when Wade Barrett just seems to have 17 finishes stored up it's amazing I'm like yeah do that do that more that's the guy who should have destroyed John Cena um, and also Dolph Ziggler can climb a ladder faster than anyone yeah. <laughs> anyone in WWE that guy sprints up him the way Barrett, I think, one of the big misses of the last couple of years. But anyway, Brian won that. Uh, he had just returned from neck surgery. He'd have his last match a few weeks later on the April 16th uh, SmackDown in a tag with Cena against Cesaro and uh, Tyson Kidd. But as we know, he would come back in glorious fashion. Next up, not sure we're going to use the word glorious too much in terms of this match. Triple H defeated Sting in a no-DQ match, went just under 20 minutes. Producer Ben has called this Triple H rewrites the Monday Night Wars. Is that is that an accurate summary? Yes. Um, <laughs> when you watch the 24 from this one and they're scripting out everything, everything, everything happens, then they go, okay, and then Triple H pins Sting. And apparently Scott Hall looks Sting dead in the eye and goes, what? You're not winning? Sting's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, you have a terrible lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> but I, th- I think you, I think you get it from the intros because obviously Triple H's intro is quite frankly ridiculous, it's isn't it? Ma- it's one of my favourite things ever. So ever, this is Terminator oh, Genesis, are we, are we which having... was one of the sponsors of the. Yes. Uh, are of we having another intro off? Because I hated this intro. Oh, <laughs> WrestleMania 31 is the best WrestleMania for entrances. I hated the entrance because, for starters, it starts off with the crowd scanning, and that lasts ages. Yep. And everything lasted too long with the, about, about the the video going into it. Never mind the actual it's entrance. Amazing. And the, they bring up the the, the machines yep. from, the, and they don't move. Yep. They're just they're just you can probably yep. see them at a local comic book shop. The entrance is better than Terminator Genesis the film. That's not saying much because Terminator <laughs> Genesis was a terrible film. But in terms of in the big wrestling house, my 
uh, he, my friend, my best friend brought his non-wrestling girlfriend, and this was her first introduction to wrestling. Like, so you know, this is blah blah blah. We'll explain to you this one, this one, this one, and she comes in, and then Triple H's entrance starts, and I mark out like a small child, and she just gets her camera out and records it to me, and goes, "This is why you like this thing." Like, yeah, because at any point in time, it can just go. That's nah, being entirely ridiculous for five minutes for no reason. And, and if you if you can't like that, then why are you watching wrestling? <laughs> it, was just, it was just too long. It was promoting a bad film. I just thought wholly unnecessary. The i the, the idea I can get behind it was the it kind of looked cheap into oh, yeah. points, and that was the that was the problem with it. If you're going to promote a film and if you're going to have this lavish go the whole go the whole way or don't do it at all, mate. It's terrible. <laughs> I love it so much. In, in terms of the actual match then, Carrie, I haven't known you long, but that's the most aggressive eye roll and head shake I think I've ever seen <laughs> when we mentioned this match. I'm guessing you weren't a fan of how it played out. I was not a fan of how it played out. And I hadn't seen that thing you were mentioning on the network, but it doesn't surprise me because it's just so sting, isn't it? After all this time, he comes across WWE, gets beaten in his WrestleMania moment, and that handshake at the end, I was expecting <laughs> Triple H to turn on him, and I was just going, that's just so Sting, because you're so stupid mm. and you're so naive. Yeah. Oh. Sting had a rubbish oh. entrance in this match. It's totally confusing. I completely agree, and also he had the drum solo, and but also, it's Sting. Why doesn't Sting come from the rafters, or why doesn't he, you know... There weren't any rafters. Well, well, yeah. there, there was the lighting rig. No, it's <laughs> kind of yeah. yeah, I think the rafters <laughs> thing's kind of been um, no, nixed. No one's doing rafters no more. <laughs> but in terms... Yeah, you're right. I mean, as soon as you saw that, you're thinking, he's losing. Like, Triple H has got this huge, grandiose entrance, and Sting just gets, you know some drummers and then walks to the ring you know oh this is not going to end well for you it's the most sports entertained I've been in a Wrestlemania match <laughs> when X-Pac emerges as part of DX and then starts like throwing himself about taking bumps I'm like wow he, this is his moment this is his biggest Wrestlemania moment ever and he really yeah it's ridiculous it's so stupid one, one thing about the match itself it was a no DQ match wasn't yeah. it so why when Sting has Triple H in a submission hold and he gets into the ropes why does Sting well, have to let go because he's Sting it's just there because thinking, he's Sting and he's stupid. Thinking, exactly, you're just there thinking, stop, stop being, just kill him. Like, come on. Just, <laughs> the motivations oh. of the match are terrible. Um, yeah, the whole motivation of the match where Sting's going, I'm not coming back to avenge WCW. I'm coming back because Triple H thinks he can rule the Iron Fist and blah blah blah. blah. You know, no, that doesn't make sense. No. But look, if Sting wants to fight Triple H, let him fight Triple H. And if he wants to do it in that stupid way with the NWO as a backup, despite the fact he spent most of his career fighting it fine fine like sometimes let the stupid thing be stupid for half an hour and he had a magical baseball bat that broke the sledgehammer in half yes so that was good i enjoyed that there was a there big a big whiff of panto about this match yeah, actually yeah. really wasn't there with all the run-ins and the, and the props and whatever i looked into sting's wwe career he mentioned he uh, he competed in four matches for wwe this one a dq win over big show on raw <laughs> A tag team match with Cena against Triple H and Rollins, also on Raw, and his title shot at Knights of Champions, which he got the injury that ended his career. And he actually said on Ric Flair's podcast, he was lucky that a catastrophe didn't happen. Now, he got in the Hall of Fame the next year, maybe as a concession to all this. I'm sure he got well paid for it, but do you think that Steve Borden maybe wishes that he hadn't gone into WWE? And to an extent, certainly to people like me who weren't big WCW guys, tainted his legacy a little bit. Uh, you can't talk about tainting your legacy when you did all that stuff with TNA. Pew, pew, <laughs> yeah. pew, pew, pew. Okay, that's the end I of that, it. yeah. <laughs> it, it, look, it's fine. Right, Sting was way too old to come to WWE at the time he did, and the fact he was competing in ring was kind of ridiculous. He should have just beaten Triple H and then been done with it. 
But also the fact that he got in the ring with Seth Rollins and thought was really it was a really nice rub. And then they kind of lent into that thing where Seth Rollins was like, "Yeah, I I broke Sting and I broke Cena's face." That was a fun like three months where Seth Rollins was like, "I legitimately break your heroes." Um, worth it. I think it was worth it. I was so sports entertained by this match. All right, we got some bills to pay, so we're going to go into business for ourselves. We'll be back soon. Okay, next up at WrestleMania 32, in terms of our the way we're reviewing these anyway, not in terms of the match order, Undertaker defeated Bray Wyatt in 15 minutes, 12 seconds. Now, this obviously was the year after the streak had been broken. We hadn't seen Taker in the build-up. Wyatt was saying, find me, find me. Um, Undertaker, arguably the greatest character in WWE history. Wyatt, perhaps the biggest miss. Apparently, Wyatt had hurt his ankle rolling around in the ring on the day of the show, which maybe contributed to, to what we saw. Carrie, am I being too kind? Was it just a, a stinker of a match between a washed-up guy and somebody who was never over to the extent they should be? Oh, oh, um, yeah, no, you're right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't imagine that a Wyatt hurting his ankle would have helped at all, but oh, this is another terrible match, and I'd forgotten that this was that bad. I thought the kind of atmospheric kind of daylighty thing might have worked quite well if the sun was going down. It's going to kind of start to be a little bit spooky. It it wasn't spooky. If Bray it, doesn't have people holding their phones up, doesn't he work. doesn't have much, does no. he? That that is the that is the power of Bray Wyatt is people's phone screens, and yeah, without that, he's a little bit lost. It's, I mean, it's, it says a lot that there were no chairs were involved, tables weren't involved. Yeah, there was one hit in the steps that. Taker was thrown into them, but you actually saw Bray take the bump in terms of he's the one that made the noise. He kicked the to get the chairs as he went over the top. Uh, this was in terms of there was no intensity. There was Taker had done all his you know done old school. He did a choke stand within the first couple of minutes of the match, and then you're thinking where does this go? Because if Bray hasn't got it, if they're not going to give Bray much offense, then this isn't going to go anywhere. And that's exactly what happened. It was a tune up. Thirty was deflating as part of story, but also deflating in terms of Taker gets concussed and can't really go. So it felt very much as if Taker was going, give me this match, let me see how I feel, and if we do, then give me some more matches afterwards. And that's that's how it all feels afterwards. No one really mentions, this is in the Mark Henry category of Undertaker matches, and oh yeah, that happened. And it was, it was a real shame. I remember the week before this happened, I wrote a big thousand word piece on why Undertaker is probably going to hand over the torch to the new face of Fear, Bray Wyatt, and this, this is, could be an amazing change in the guard. It didn't happen. And again, it's like Bray Wyatt could have been the new taker and now he's the new Papa Shango. Yeah, and, and you saw it with Wyatt's ring entrance. You kind of mentioned it, it was daylight. You didn't get the phones. The Scarecrow thing didn't work either, really, did it? Let's be brutally honest. So it? he had his band, uh, Mark, I want to say Mark Tozer, Mark Crozer, maybe was his name here, playing playing his theme to the, the theme, ring. The theme tune, by the way, is underappreciated. I, yes. think, I think his entry, in terms of the music, is I, I, I could actually listen to it at home. It's, not, it's a great track and, like, you know, it's... That that could have worked if it was dark and if these if these these scarecrows were coming out of out of nowhere and it just everything about this match just missed unfortunately. The joke on Twitter before the match happened was Taker takes off his hat and it was uh, when your dad's been pulled from the divorced dad meeting to get you out of uh, to like bail you out of prison and that's what it felt like just felt like a very annoyed divorced dad just come to pick up his son going come on get in the car you little twerp. <laughs> Big miss that because it's a great point, Carl. It should have been. I mean, when Bray first came on the scene, my mind was racing, thinking of the possibilities of a feud with Undertaker. It should have been the passing of the torch. They could even have teamed up for a little bit. There's a myriad possibilities. They didn't go with it, and they, it stunk. 
they tried it again when Bray kidnapped Undertaker following his Hell in a Cell match with Brock Lesnar, and it looked as if it was going to be like this huge thing at Survivor Series where Bray Wyatt at final Survivor Series will like nullify the Undertaker and become this amazing thing. And then Undertaker beat him with ease, and it keeps happening. It keeps happening that three months of just Bray Wyatt beats everyone and then beats someone big and then gets a belt and then burns it, and then you're like, I am all in on this guy. And they don't ever do it. And maybe when he comes out of Laker reincarnation, something cool will happen. I really hope so. I really hope he figures it out because he is, if you go on any Reddit forum or anything with like fantasy booking, so many of the great long-term fan fictions revolve around Bray Wyatt just he, running around. He needs to go away for a while. Yeah. He needs to go away for a while. We need to forget about Bray, I think, effectively. And then comes back as this kind of, you know, mystifying force that is, has hopefully found his persona and is absolutely terrifying or just anno- picks on one specific superstar and just destroys them physically, emotionally, mentally. That's what you want to see. Bray Wyatt with money in the bank is the most terrifying thing. Like, good, terrifying thing. So give him money in the bank, have him have the briefcase, toss it, and then, like, incorporate parts of money in the bank into the lantern. There's your merch. And just have him every single big pay-per-view match in the rocking chair with the lantern. And then you've got a year's build for whatever you want. That was this week's Bray Wyatt Lament. <laughs> More, same time next week. Right, so next up we're going to talk about our annual rock segment. This one featuring Triple H, Stephanie McMahon and a certain Ronda Rousey who Rock said was going to play jump rope with Steph's fallopian tubes. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> Which is an extraordinary thing for anybody to say in any context, but you know, on a on a show in front of thousands and thousands of people with millions more watching, I would say it was pretty ill advised. Um, Trips eventually bumps for Ronda after Rock softens him up. Ronda gets hold of Steph, but does no damage. Um, think we're ever going to see Ronda Rousey in a WWE ring again, Carrie? Nah, I don't think so. So what did you make this? We've sort of been a bit critical of Rock on um, previous shows in his WrestleMania skit. Personally, I didn't find this one as offensive because he wasn't burying anyone. What did you make of it? No, it was fine because he was actually there to get Ronda over. So that was his job. Um, Yes, the jump rope with the fallopian tubes thing made me quite uneasy. Also, maybe cringe a little bit. Um, And also, Triple H bumping for Ronda always makes me happy. I really like when he does that because I do slag him off quite a lot for all the nefarious things he does do and all the self-aggrandizing shit he does. But I like when he takes a bump for Ronda. So, you know, let's flag that up and credit to Paul. Anton, Ronda, Steph, Rock, Triple H, did it do much for you? It was was absolutely fine. I, I actually, you know, in terms of Rock, I agree with you in terms of this was good Rock. You know, and so I loved his line about uh, the McMahon's having the power over the Johnsons and him responding saying, you only have power due to the McMahon's Johnson, to Steph. And I thought that was very funny and there were some good lines. And a couple of, like, But for me, it was, why am I seeing Triple H again? I just saw him for ages. If someone else could have got, you know, could have got Ronda across. You know, why? Why Why does it have to be him? The and he, he's, package, he's, such an, such an, in, he's such an interesting character because when you meet him, He's such a nice guy, very quiet, very sort of, you know. And then when it comes to the booking, it's always, it always seems about it's all about me. I've, I'm, I'm the best person to take this forward. And it's not just at WrestleMania. You see it on the, the foreign trips. You see it in Saudi Arabia. You see it in India. Triple H is always the top billing because he's, you know, seen the safe out of hands. And that's what, he think, that's what people think they want to see. Well, no, this could have been anyone else with Ronda. It's Ronda Rousey. She was the biggest sportswoman on the planet at this time. This wasn't, you know, this was... If people say it's through the long-term plan to get her into to get into WWE, and look, there's an element of that, but also it was to get WrestleMania and WWE on ESPN on mainstream television across the world because Rousey was red hot. Doesn't matter who she was in the ring with, 
they would have achieved that anyway. So for me, it didn't need Triple H. And it was an easy narrative. It was so scripted and so smug of Steph and, and, and Triple H just in the ring, kind of going, oh, and there's one person to thank, and that's me. And you're just thinking... Creatively, I think they could have been. It could have been something else. They could have used somebody else. They could have used a different tactic to get, you know, Rock and and Ronda together. And it, from, that's why it kind of missed for me. It wasn't so much the Rock. It was more Triple H and Snuff. Interesting. Um, bit off piece, but Carl, interested to get your thoughts on this. We had obviously Ronda ringside with Shayna Baszler, who's now doing yes. great things in NXT, and some other MMA fighters um, whose names I can't remember. What's your view on them? This new thing of seemingly going into the world of MMA to take people out, bring it into wrestling, very much like they used to traditionally do with college football players and stuff. Do you think it's a good idea to, to mix the two? Because Vince hated MMA for, for years. Yeah, I think uh, this is one of my things that made me really happy and sad about NXT. Like, It's great they've got developmental and they've got this like thing where everyone can learn how to wrestle WWE style and come through. But that also means everyone wrestles kind of the same. And they need to find a way to diversify that because outside three or four signature moves, how so-and-so wrestles to so-and-so is really, really similar. And I think this is really apparent in, um, we don't call them finishes anymore, signature moves. So there are only like four or five safe ways you can drive someone's head into the mat. So you end up with loads of wrestlers having finishes that look like the crossroads. So Crossroads and Sister Abigail are really, really similar. So you need to come in with new people from MA backgrounds or basketball backgrounds or the indies so they can wrestle. Like, oh, I'm going to like do a finger-based offense, which I think is really, really cool. Um, or I'm just going to kick you in the calves all the time. It, just have someone who wrestles different from your NXT template. And the way Basler does it compared to Ember Moon is really, really fun. I think they should keep doing more of that. Just finally on this, Carrie, if you were booking Ronda Rousey's opponent for WrestleMania 35, who would you have at the moment? I would bring up Baszler. I'd do, uh, do the horsewoman thing. I love Shayna Baszler. Can I just talk about that a little bit? I yeah. just love her. I think she's amazing. I think she's terrifying. And I also like that she's also a little bit older and they haven't kind of pushed that as one of the storylines yet in that she is ancient. But she's legitimately terrifying. And basically Shayna Baszler kicking people in the face and ripping their arms off is my new fantasy booking for everything, which has replaced um, the S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion, which used to be my fantasy booking for everything. Now Shayna Baszler coming in and just killing people is my favourite thing to ever happen. Would you, the not, would, you, would you not have Oscar? because that feels that kind of feels inevitable as well in terms of undefeated undefeated and that it, it might not be a mania but it, it kind of feels like that's going to happen at some point or if it doesn't it seems odd that it wouldn't the problem with that is that neither of them can cut a good promo I think would be would be the issue in terms of promoting that whereas if you had Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey you've got the story of the best of this world versus the best of the, this world you're listening to the Parts Unknown Wrestling Podcast from Muddy Knees Media well from there we go to in terms of entrances, I think this was probably the highlight of the show. John Cena defeats Rusev for the US title. Where else but in the world of professional wrestling does a man come to the ring on a tank? I mean... A tear in my eye. <laughs> it's, it's my favourite entrance ever. I don't... I don't... It is absolutely brilliant. But even, even, it starts brilliantly. When Lana comes out, she looks the part mm. as well. All white suits, title on shoulder. Exactly. And you've got you know, the, the soldiers behind her, the Russian flag. And even that was brilliant. Even if they just brought out Reset with his usual flag waving. And then all of a sudden, a fucking tank comes. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, so again, this was, this was, this was the time where 
geopolitical stuff with Russia is happening, whatever, whatever. And people are like, oh, why do you really like wrestling? And I just go, Rusev, just, just look at that. Just look at that man doing stuff. If God had a soul, he'd look down and spit on the USA. <laughs> it's, it's an unbelievable feud. Credit to Cena for doing this um, just like a couple of years. Was like, I'm going to go mess around with young talent and develop my portfolio and learn some wrestling moves. And this is my terrible stunner. And now you like me because blah, 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 blah. And like, in the match, you, you're so annoyed when Cena wins. And then he goes off and does the US Open Challenge. And then you're like, oh, Cena has the, like 2015 is the best year Cena has in ages and ages and ages. That's and exactly it, the note that I've got. But arguably one of the best periods of his career, yeah, actually. And it. It largely is because he's hanging with young, vibrant talent that are ever so slightly weird. Like, he's not having to fight Bobby Lashley or Bobby Lashley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love everything about this match. I love, I love, the, I love Rusev's entrance. I love Cena's bizarre entrance, which kind of, like, mentions, um, like, Reagan and, like... Oh, the, the American Wet Dream VT beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is... It is an element of... You know, it's it's written by a... Repub- but so much Ronald Reagan. Like, so, of all yeah. the figures so, that you've got. So much Reagan. And it's... it's. I mean, it's it's basically Vince knocking one off. I think about thinking everything that's great about America in terms of... This is, this is very much the Republican dream right in front of you guys. <laughs> by the way, it's good versus evil because even though Rusev's from Bulgaria, that's near Russia, right? Yeah, he's Russian. <laughs> what, what, wait, what? As a European watcher, this going, uh, anyone else feel a little bit uncomfortable with the fact he's not, he resides in Moscow, does he? This is what we're going with. <laughs> they, they give star medals out. What is going on? It's great. What, in terms of, I loved it, absolutely love it, and I hate myself for loving it because. It's Rocky Four. Yes. Like, like Rocky it's, Four is the film Rocky I've watched the most in 2015. In my... Though this is the problem. This is, we're not supposed to be still thinking of, <laughs> of the West versus the East oh. and the Cold War, and everybody who has an accent is evil. This is not how it's supposed to work. Vince's world, of course, that's how we're still yeah. thinking. I adore this match. I hate the ending, and then the ending, which I hated, turned out to be one of the best things in wrestling that year. So, tears in my eyes. It's a calamitous ending. Oh, and the, the stunner is awful. But whatever. <laughs> Another thing I like about this match is about three rows back, uh, there's a lad in a Grimsby goalkeeping shirt who keeps on waving up little signs saying... Various Grimsby yeah. town-related yeah, signs. Yeah, Carl Magnay, Paul Hurst come up. You're just thinking, love that. I love the fact there's a, a British Football League revolution going on in the background of, of you know what is an exceptionally fun match as well. It just added to the wonderfulness of this match. All right, so elsewhere on the kickoff, Tyson Kidd and Cesaro defeated Los Matadores, the New Day and the Usos, in a fatal four-way to uh, retain the tag team titles. Big Show won the Dre Battle Royal, last eliminating Mizdow, much to uh, everybody's disappointment. And on the main show, AJ and Page beat the Bellas in, a, in an afterthought of a match. Hall of Fame-wise, we got the Bushwhackers, Larry Zabisco, Alundra Blaze, who picked the belt out the trash can the night before, which was great. Tatsumi Fujinami, Rikishi, the Warrior Award winner, ugh. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Randy Savage and Kevin Nash. Um, I guess the main thing to take away from here is that Randy Savage finally got in the Hall of Fame. Yep. Yeah, with Kevin Nash as the headliner. I mean, I get that obviously Randy Savage is dead and so that you know his brother was there except on his behalf. Kevin Nash above Randy Savage. Bonkers. Come on, guys, seriously. So overall... A show bookended by two great matches, not much else of note in in terms of what happened elsewhere. Ronda thing, obviously significant when we look back on it, given what's happened this year. Um, The Sting Triple H match descended into comedy. My WrestleMania moment, I'm guessing this is going to be pretty much a a grand slam. It's got to be Seth Rollins cashing in, hasn't it, and that final shot? 
Yeah, definitely. I think also the one thing we haven't mentioned that it's all it's this was the scene of my favourite RKO of all time. Yeah. Oh, of course. Because yeah. the RKO, the second match of the night between Norton and, and Rollins, is a thing of beauty. The, a, a curb stop gets turned into an RKO, and the height Rollins gets, even that was you know was a beautiful moment. And this is why Rollins owned this yeah. WrestleMania. Mm. So we like the fact that that was a, there was a good story in the fact that he didn't win that match. Wasn't exactly. There? And that, that ended that feud. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we we didn't need to see Randy Orton come back again, and it was it done. Seth moves on to something else. Seth comes on and just blows the WWE world apart. Honestly, did anybody see the cashing coming? No. Anyone that says they did is a liar. I didn't, no. No, not at all. All right. What was your WrestleMania moment, Kerry? Oh, apart from Seth cashing in, Rusev in a tank. <laughs> Rusev <laughs> on a bloody tank. <laughs> Same for you, Carl, presumably. Um, Brock Lesnar bleeding when he goes into the ring post. Uh, I don't know how that man bleeds or does stuff. He clearly must have a talent for knowing what part of his head he has to suppress to turn his face blue really, really quickly. <laughs> um, this came out loads in his Samoa Joe feud, where he, like, Samoa Joe would get him in the clutch and he immediately turned purple. So Lesnar's really good at turning red or just bleeding like a prune. Bleeding like a prune? <laughs> Whatever. Bruising like a peach. Um, and I want to know how, but also I never want to ever be near that man. Um, I was once offered the chance to interview him. I went, no, because I'm terrified of him. <laughs> With good cause. Right, so that was WrestleMania 31. Next week, it's all about Daniel Bryan and the return of the Ultimate Warrior as we head to New Orleans for WrestleMania 30. Follow us at the PU Podcast. Carrie, where can people keep in touch with you? At Carrie Sparkle. And Anton. At Sky Anton. And Carl. At Anchorman616. But the main thing is to follow us at the PU Podcast. I've been Matt Davis. You've been in Parts Unknown. The Parts Unknown Wrestling Podcast is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. <laughs>